It's Monday, January 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hell, joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 2016. First Market Foolery of the Year. Yes. I love being part of something special. Yes. And <laughs> it was as if the stock market knew <laughs> this would be our first Market Foolery yes, sir. of 2016. Man, that's a tough day. Yeah, that's a tough open. There's a lot of red out there. So we we do have we do have some news from the automotive industry, from the financial services industry. But let's start with what is going to be the big headline on the evening news for people who watch the evening news, or if you're a dinosaur like me and you actually get a newspaper delivered to your home, what's going to be the headline tomorrow morning? And it's oh my gosh, there's so much red in the stock market. Yeah. Stock down, you know. I'm looking at a headline: stocks fall two percent. Dow plunges four hundred <laughs> points after China market route. It's like that scene in an airplane where they're on <laughs> on the plane and they're like talking about an emergency landing and yada yada yada, and the entire cabin's totally calm and everything's cool. And she's like, oh yes, and we we've just run out of coffee, and then everybody just goes, <laughs> everybody goes berserk. monkey poo. I mean, it just yeah, it's uh. It, it's a good reminder to just take a deep breath. Yeah. Listen, let's put some let's put some perspective here. I mean, yeah, sure, this is the worst opening day in 84 years. You know what else it is? It's the best market day of 2016 so far. Right. It's all <laughs> so. about your perspective. I don't I, I mean, so before we started taping, uh, our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, mentioning uh and and I'm sure this is part of what happened in China is 10th Month in a row, manufacturing declining in China, and I think that there are a couple of things that just to set expectations for this year. If you're expecting China to magically get wonderful, you need to ratchet back that expectation. And as we talked about, uh, I think on the uh, the Motley Fool, the most recent Motley Fool Money Show when we were doing our 2016 preview, if you're expecting the price of oil. To magically double in 2016, you might want to pull back on that expectation as well. Yeah, and I mean, I could, I can see probably with just the general American consumer, you know, working nine to five and has you know a million things on their plate to deal with, and they see these headlines and they're like, "Markets down two and a half, three percent because of China," and they probably look at that with that sort of, "Yeah, I don't get it." Why? Right. What does that mean? I mean, it, because it is sort of you, you look at that and you think, well, why does that matter? And I mean, it, it, in today's global economy, I mean, we are we are more interconnected than ever before. But I mean, by the same token, yeah, you need to look at something like this and say, well, there are plenty of things that are are in our control, and there are plenty of things that we we have no control over whatsoever, and and, and that's one of them. And you have to think, okay, well. It is what it's going to be, and the way I look at it, you know, this this particularly is going to be a very, I think, a very volatile year. It's an election year, a polarizing election. I think where a lot of people are really worked up. Uh, so, so my expectation is is for a very volatile year in general, and as as big of a deal as China apparently is today, there's going to be a great headline that comes down the pike here in the next one to two weeks that'll make people feel a little bit better about things. And uh, and again, I mean, I think it's it's just a matter of being able to sort of take that take that mentality of investing regularly. You know, I was reading some stuff at the toward the end of the new uh, the end of, of last year, and um, and sort of just looking at it from the perspective of yes, the market finished ever so slightly down, but it wasn't like it was a wasted year for investors. I mean, if you went in there and just dollar cost averaged 
your way into an S&P index fund all throughout the year, month in and month out, well, there were some months in there where you got some really good bargains. Uh, so then, you know, as an investor, you, you probably did pretty well. Um, and I think that you know that's why we we take the long game here is because you can't do anything about these day to day headlines, but in the context of years, these these are going to be just little blips on the radar. One more thing before we get to the company news, you mentioned this is an election year. I was thinking about this over the weekend, and I could be wrong on this, but I think that for investors who are focused on individual companies, I feel like this is this is a year where you're going to have an even slightly higher advantage because there's going to be even more attention paid by the media and not just the the regular media but the business media as well there'll be plenty in the business media about well here's how to play if this person is the nominee for this party and that sort of thing and i think with even more attention being paid to a presidential election in the united states that's less attention being paid to companies, and I think it, it's a slightly greater opportunity for investors. I think so. I think you're right. I think that, that typically when there is a less attention given to something, you know, particularly when you look at really high quality businesses in the market, you know, those things can kind of uh, skate below, you know, the typical interest levels, and, and can often result in, in decent uh, decent deals. Earnings season kicks off next week, but before that, we do have some news. Let's start with General Motors, which is investing $500 million in Lyft, the ride-sharing company that competes with Uber and, I suppose, taxicabs. It's part of a (laughs) the latest round of of Lyft's financing is a billion dollars. GM's got five hundred million of that. This values Lyft at about five point five billion, which is roughly one tenth the size of Uber. Yeah, a little little bit of a surprise that GM is investing this money in a service that is essentially designed to compete with the likes of General Motors. I mean, yeah, to to an extent. I mean, I think you know when you see these kinds of deals, just because a big company does it, doesn't necessarily mean it's smart, right? And so, I mean, you look back at some examples here, like Coca Cola investing in the Keurig cold machine. Well, I think that's proving out to be sort of a bad move. Uh, Microsoft and Nokia that didn't work out so well. Uh, who knows how this will work out? I think it's five hundred million. It's kind of a drop in the bucket for GM. I mean, they have a balance sheet with twenty one billion plus in cash. Uh, but I think it's also a business that that has you know plenty in the way of challenges as well, and I, I mean I don't disagree with this notion of self-driving cars and uh, car riding services like Uber and or Lyft. I mean I think they compete with GM to a degree, but they also need suppliers, and the suppliers for that industry will be the actual automakers, assuming the automakers can get it right, and and that's that's where I guess. I feel like maybe people think this is something that's going to happen really, really soon, and I'm not. I'm not positive that it is. Um, I feel like we saw <laughs> there was a lot of hype given to 3D printing not so terribly long ago, and while that's really neat technology, and I think has you know implications that will play out for many, many years to come, I think it's going to be something that takes a long time to sort of really get there. And, and I can't help but wonder if if self-driving cars. Don't fall into that category, at least in some some level. I mean, we talk about cars today being subject to operator error, and those operators being us, right? We as humans are 
flawed and, and we can make mistakes and we do and we have car accidents. But let's not forget that the humans, we are still responsible for the technology that is creating those um, you know, self-driving cars. And, and so, just looking at it from a practical standpoint here, look at the automobile industry today. In 2014, there were 64 million recalls. In the U.S. alone, 64 million recalls in the auto industry. So, yeah, I mean, I totally trust these guys to make a self-driving car that isn't going to run me off the road, get hacked, or catch fire, right? I mean, so that's my biggest hang-up, is that whether the car's self-driving or not self-driving, to me, self-driving seems like it's going to be a little bit of a tougher hurdle to clear. These guys don't have a very good track record of making cars that don't don't have flaws. Uh, and so there are just a lot of a lot of people involved with making this whole thing work. I mean, the insurance implications. So I just I feel like this is a neat headline. It's neat technology. I don't think we're going to get there quite as fast as maybe people think. Uh, I wonder why GM wouldn't invest in Uber. I kind of feel like Lyft is going to constantly play second fiddle. Um, I've never used. Lyft. It's certainly used, a much cheaper valuation, though. Obviously, much. But I mean, have you ever used Lyft? No. Have you used Uber? No. Okay. I've used Uber. I've never used Lyft. I mean, I think Uber was wonderful. It definitely serves a wonderful purpose there. So I could see wanting to be a part of that of that market and uh, investing in something like that and wanting to be sort I of should, a supplier. You know what? I shouldn't say that. I've used Uber. I, I I don't have it on my phone, so I've been with people who have you know. Yeah, had an Uber. And, so yeah, and I mean, it's it, going to be it something you're not going to need it though. Probably very often, right? As a parent, I mean, as parents, like I, we need cars. I mean, I need <laughs> to be able to get those kids from point A to point B, and we need that freedom, right? And so I think ride sharing is going to play a bigger role in certain markets uh, as, as opposed to others. Uh, but again, I mean, I feel like this this self driving thing, we're maybe kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Well, and you just touched on uh, something that I think. Maybe would have been one of the factors in GM's move here, which is you look at ride-sharing services, Uber and Lyft. They're they're in urban centers much more than they are in rural centers. You look at where GM is selling their vehicles in the United States. They have a a larger footprint in the rural area. So in theory, they're going to it's going to be less of a dent on their on their sales because it's a smaller percentage on the urban side. But uh, to go back to uh, self-driving cars. Consumer Electronics Show starts this week. Our man David Kretzman and, and a few other fools are going to be going out to Las Vegas for CES. And one of the events is Ford Motor is expected to announce a joint venture with Google to build Google's self-driving vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the reports are true, uh, we'll see once the announcement is made. But right now, it's looking like this is this joint venture is going to be a separate legal entity f- from Ford Motor. Presumably, in part, so they can isolate any liability that comes from that. Yeah, I would have to believe so. I mean, again, I think you're just looking at, I think, a higher hurdle to clear. And at least with Ford, you know, partnering there with Google, uh, you know, Google has been working on this for quite some time, and and you know, who knows how how well they feel like they've got it nailed down. So, I, I mean, again, I, I kind of fall back to this. Our automakers don't have the best history of making cars that don't don't yeah. need to be recalled, and and so you know as just a consumer, I mean I look at that and I think okay, the, the, certainly the burden of proof is on them to prove that they can nail this, and I don't think they're going to be do they're they're not going to be able to just make that happen. I think it's going to take a lot of iterations, and I think it's going to take some time. I could see both of these working out, Ford's partnership with Google just because it's Google, yeah, and. Simply on valuation, I, I could see General Motors getting some return on their investment just because 
when you look at the disparity between Lyft and Uber, I mean, that's Carl Icahn's theory on Lyft is that, oh, well, look, it's it's just a much better value. As an investor, it just represents a better value. It's not that it's not to say that Lyft is going to overtake Uber, but just as an investment, Carl Icahn would rather invest in a company that's five and a half billion as opposed to sixty billion. Yeah, precisely. I mean that's just it with with private companies like we don't have the luxury necessarily of looking at Uber and Lyft and saying, oh, well, one is extremely overvalued and one is extremely undervalued. We can only go with a limited amount of information. So, you know, we look at those two valuations, and just because I'm more familiar with Uber and Uber seems to be a bigger company and it certainly earned a higher valuation in the private markets, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's totally correct. I mean, we've seen plenty, plenty of those businesses, you know, in the private markets, uh, you know, take those sort of raise downs where they're they're actually raising money on a on a lower valuation later on in their life. Fidelity is dropping two longtime credit card partners. One is Bank of America and the other is American Express. Uh, 24 million cards Fidelity has out <laughs> there. And I mean last year it was Amex Losing Costco, and now it's Fidelity, and I mean, there's a lot of red out there in the market today. Yeah. But Amex is is down a little bit more than what the market is doing, and this is on top of a 2015 when shares dropped 25 percent. This is it true? Is it too strong to say that Amex is reeling right now? Because it, it's maybe not from a stock perspective, but from a business perspective, it seems like they are reeling a little bit. I mean, I I don't th- yeah I think it's fair to say I I don't think that from an investor's perspective I know that uh, you know one one investor may look at American Express and say wow this is a screaming value today. Um, you know the other the other side, and I'd be on this other side. Would be looking at that and thinking this very well could be kind of a a bit of a value trap here. In that I'm not really debating the fact that it's a relevant business, um, but I don't think it's nearly as relevant as it used to be. And and honestly, I I very much question leadership at this point, and I'll get into that in a minute. But I mean, when I look at you know what is happening with American Express. I mean, this is good news for American Express cardholders, and I'm I'm an Amex cardholder. Uh, this means that the company really should be upping their game and really trying to ramp up their customer service to, to levels that that will keep cardholders coming back for more. Because right now, uh, they need every cardholder they can get. Apparently, um, I've always been happy with with it as a card. I've never been an American Express investor, and and I don't think I ever will be. Um, or at least not now. I mean, historically, American Express has been able to command higher pricing from their merchants based on the logic that their cardholders spend more and, and charge more uh, often. And, and maybe that used to be the case. But I think as technology is wont to do, uh, it has brought more parity to the masses and, and much more quickly as time goes on. So there are more cards, there are more options, we have mobile payments. Uh, really growing very quickly. So I mean, I think there are more and more options out there than ever before, and and I think that you know merchants out there are losing any real incentive to say yes, I'll go ahead and take American Express and pay you more for that because your your you know your cardholders are going to buy here more often and, and spend more money. That it's just not the same case. Uh, and then you know when we this is a while back when you and I I know we had read that article that sort of talked about the Costco American Express relationship and kind of how everything went down there. And, and we, oh, the breakup. Yeah, we both kind of yeah. we walked away with sort of the same impression there in regard to leadership at American Express, and it, it sounded like Ken Chenault maybe 
maybe there's a culture problem there. Maybe they think a little bit more highly of themselves than they should. Uh, but it seemed like you had two opposite ends of the spectrum there in Costco, sort of the everyday blue collar kind of American publicly traded company, versus you know with with American Express that really they kind of saw themselves as somewhat presidential from what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, they brought people in early to sort of dictate routes on where he would go in and out of the building and making sure there were going to be these types of refreshments and a bathroom nearby and yada, yada, yada. It just got out of hand. So, I mean, I got to question a business like that where they, they, where they, if they think that highly of themselves, you know, obviously this is a business that's, they're facing some serious headwinds here. And, uh, and I don't think they're necessarily going to be in the driver's seat here anytime soon. So the fact that Amex is falling to a, Two and a half year low today does not get you interested in the stock as long as that leadership is still there. As long as that leadership's there, no, I, I don't. You know, for me, because again, I mean, it's it's a obviously very relevant business um, with a large installed base of cardholders out there. Granted, that base is going to get a little bit smaller, um, but again, I don't know what the catalyst is to turn this thing around, particularly as long as as you know current leadership remains. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Let's hope. The second trading day of the market is going to be a little bit better than today. I'm willing to make this promise right here and now. Chris. Okay. We will see better days in 2016. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't see worse. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.